Hello and welcome to the Art Engager podcast with me, Claire Baum. I'm here to share techniques and tools to help you engage with your audience and bring art, objects and ideas to life. So let's dive into this week's show. Hello and welcome back to the Art Engager podcast. I'm your host, Claire Bowne of Thinking Museum, and this is episode 80. So first of all, Happy New Year. Welcome to 2023. Today, I've got a guest for you on the show. I'm delighted to be talking to Sarah Chachi about her wonderful work as a family tour specialist. So today, we're exploring how to engage and inspire families. Now, before that, as always, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so by treating me to a cup of tea on buymeacoffee.com forward slash Claire I'll put a link in the show notes. So let me introduce my guest this week. Sarah Chachi has been a professional blue badge guide for London since 2008. She specializes in family tours and art tours. She set up Tours for My Kids to provide inspiring and engaging tours to families in London and Rome. She is also a Blue Badge art tutor for trainee guides training in the National Gallery, Tate Modern and Tate Britain. She's an accredited lecturer of the Art Society, a university lecturer, a gallery educator and runs regular courses and independent lectures on a variety of art historical periods. Now, in our chat today, we talk about the values and principles that guide and shape her work and we discuss what made her decide to focus on working with families. We explore what families actually want from museums and heritage and what they quite often get instead. We talk about how she engages children and their parents with art and history and the different techniques she uses. We talk about how she designs and facilitates for engagement using variety and pace. And we talk about whether it's all about the kids or whether the parents get involved too and how you might design intergenerational tours. Now, I've led many, many family tours in the past too and Sarah and I have a great chat here about what works and what doesn't. Um, We seem to be on the same wavelength about so many different things. So this is a lovely chat all about creating engaging family experiences with art, objects and even buildings. Enjoy. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the Art Engager podcast. Hi, it's lovely to be here. I'm so delighted you could join me today. So could you tell us to all our lovely listeners where you are right now? Right now I am in London and it's gotten pretty cold and yeah, I'm in my house, got my coffee, ready did to have you, a nice chat. Did you get snow this week? We did get snow. We got a night of snow, which was lovely. And so at 6.30, I got woken up by my seven-year-old to build a snowman in the garden, which I'm glad we did because then it didn't snow and it's all melted now. So we made the most of it. 
I'm so jealous. It's a very rare event, uh, event though, isn't it, in London to get snow? Yeah, in London around. it is. And lucky. then everything shuts down because we're completely unprepared for it. So Absolutely. Yeah, good it was only short. <laughs> so I'm glad you're warm and you're indoors. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about what you do and how you came to be doing what you're doing? So, yes, I'd love to. Um, I am a blue badge tourist guide for London. Um, so I'm a professional tour guide. And then I decided to set up a business, uh, which is called Tours for My Kids, uh, which I set up just before the pandemic. And um, we provide uh, engaging and entertaining tours for families in London and in Rome, because my dad is a tour guide. He's a blue badge tourist guide, but then moved to Rome. And so he helps with that side of things. And that's what I that's what I'm doing at the moment. Brilliant. And and are there any values or principles that guide your work? Any passions or enthusiasms? Uh, yes, there are. I think one of the key things was that, especially with Tours for My Kids, was um, looking at um, children and how they were kind of regarded within the tourism industry, especially when I first started doing it. Um, and they seem to be <clears throat> sort of, tacked on to adult tour companies so they'd have a couple of tours for families or a couple of tours for kids but they kind of they didn't seem to be very thought about particularly and I had been guiding kids and families for quite a long time and um, I thought I thought they deserved more than that and I wanted to set something up where I had a group of guides who were regularly guiding children, who had an interest in guiding children, who wanted to develop their practice with guiding children and make it as engaging and interesting as possible in a way that they could tick off all of the main tourist sites but it could also be a sort of enriching experience for the kids and for the family as a whole. So that became yeah my sort of my main interest and I think it links up with all the guiding that I do of trying to ensure that people they're only in your city often for a very short amount of time that they really engage with the city with the places that they visit that they have a good time while they're doing it they don't get bored especially kids um, and it, it becomes a, a really full experience for them Absolutely. And I invited you on this podcast for many reasons, but one was your work with families and children. Now, I've done lots of family tours as well. So um, this is a subject I'm also really passionate about, that we offer a similarly engaging experience for families and for children as we might with adults. And we put as much thought into it that it's age appropriate um, and engaging in lots of different ways. So yeah. Did you, was there a moment when you decided to specialise and focus on working with families or did it evolve quite naturally? It was not where I expected to be, to be honest. <laughs> so when I when I started guiding, I, uh, I was given a whole load of adult tours. And then quite soon after I started, I was given, asked if I could do a tour with younger kids. They were like seven and eight, I think. And uh, I was absolutely terrified because I didn't know any children. I didn't know babies. I didn't know teenagers. I didn't know anything about kids. Um, I never came across them and I was like what am I going to do what am I going to talk about they're going to be really bored with it um so I met them and I just decided that I would do a kind of standard I talk about the same kind of stuff as I did on my adult tour but I would I asked them more questions we had more of a conversation and beforehand I thought about how I could relate the information to things that they might know about 
And we had this really nice tour, really nice conversations. And I got good feedback at the end. So I was really buoyed by that. And then they kept on giving me tours for families and I kept on getting really good feedback for it. And I kind of, I kind of realized that, that you don't have to dumb things down for children. You can deal with big, complex historical stories or issues or anything really um so long as you present it in the right kind of way that they're interested in that that almost if you do dumb down and treat them like they're kids then they react against that and I noticed that especially now with now I have a seven-year-old that she she's strongly asserting her independence and how grown up she is and how important her opinions are um and so to treat children like their own little independent beings is really important and to value their opinions to listen to their answers to for for you to respond to their ideas and kind of shape your tour according to what information they give you through the tour um i think is really um yeah that's become sort of how i have my whole ethos behind everything i suppose um and yeah, so I kept on doing these tours for kids. Then I had my daughter in 2015, which meant that I couldn't guide as much as I had done before. And I was like, I need to find other ways to do things. And that's when I started thinking about setting up an agency. Um, back then, I think there are more tour operators now who focus more on children. Um, but then there was very little. And um I, I still think that kind of gimmicky aspect is still quite strong with a lot of kids' tours, whereas the core of tours for my kids is that it's going to be, you know, doing the big historic sites, going to the what could be seen as dry museum spaces or dry historical sites, but making them interesting and engaging for all the different ages that are there for the parents and for the kids. So would you say they're at heart, their learning experiences, their educational experiences? The Yeah, they are. I suppose so. Yeah, it is about learning about the stuff that's there. But I think it's also just about fostering a, an idea that these places are for them and that they are places that they will want to go back to. I think that enjoyment, it's not about like they have to pass a test of information at the end of the tour that you've like rammed a whole load of information into them, that you've sort of that they've realized that these places are interesting they have stuff that that they can that is relevant to them and to their lives today that can influence them later on that that they're fun places to go and visit places that they'd like to go back to and I think something that I'm doing more now is also trying to think about ways to give but I think you do it subconsciously anyway but to give them the tools to to engage with those places if they don't have a tour guide. So like looking in art galleries, obviously my background's in art history. So I specialize in art galleries and museums as well as with kids, although I do everything, um, that they can recognize symbols at the end of it, or they can see how an artist has constructed a painting to tell a story so they can read the stories on their own in paintings. And also stuff, I did your first course um, at the, uh, VTMO. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I was just going to get my, the letters in the wrong order there. Um, the uh, And uh, sort of those kind of tools of how to look, but also then it becomes, it's not just about you and the kids, but how as a family they can discuss works of art together. So it's, it's sort of giving all of them tools about how they can enjoy spaces like that together, even if they don't have a guide with them. 
I love that. Love the transfer of skills and, and, and teaching people skills on tour as well. I remember when I, I used to run family tours and I'd get letters from people I'd taken on tours afterwards, a few months afterwards saying, oh, we went back to, we went to this museum and we used some of the techniques and the tools and the strategies and things that we'd done with you. And we saw so much more. And yeah. it's just so wonderful to hear that you're, you're making people into avid museum goers by giving yeah. them these tools yeah yeah really it's really lovely really rewarding yeah so do you do you have a feeling for what families actually want from museums and other host- historic places when they visit um so, do they give you feedback or how do you sort of uh, get to know what what they're actually looking for well it's pretty tough to know in advance often you know, parents are busy and I think they they often, the key thing I think is that they want to see the sites of London, um, so the big sites, and they also want their kids not to be really bored throughout it. I think that that's the sort of, that's the, the simple basis. And so I do ask for more information of them and their family and interests and things like that, but often you don't get anything. Um, so that's where my team of guides come in who are great. Um, we're all blue badge guides and they're all interested in working with kids and they're all very flexible. So the key thing is at the beginning when you meet people, when you meet a group is that sort of initial conversation where you sort of gauge who they are, what they want in particular, if there's anything in particular they want to see, how, what their attention spans are like, all of those things and working with them as you do the tour. Um, I think most of them want to see the the highlights. So you have to kind of make sure that you tick off the highlights and that might be lots of highlights or there might just be a few highlights in a site that you visit. Um, and they want their children to be engaged throughout it. So, so long as you are engaging them and they're having fun and they're interested and they're asking and answering questions, then generally that that's, that seems to work. It's not always the case. So sometimes... Um, We've had, well, we have people who who want a three-hour lecture in a site, which is always difficult and something that I am unable to do anyway with any age, but also certainly not with children. So I had this family for a British museum tour with this child who was about 10 or 11 years old. And we got to the British Museum and all of my tours are very, lots of questions and answers and talking and things. And so I started asking question, asking what he thought about the building and what kind of building it looked like. And the mum stepped in and she was like, oh, we don't want you asking any questions. And I was like, um, okay. Uh, I said, my tours are quite interactive. That's how I, I do them. So we can have a conversation. She was like, no, no, we just want you to tell us information about the building. And so I was like, okay. So uh, I, I started again, asked a couple of questions and she was in there again. We don't want any questions. I was like, all right, then fine. Uh, so I started telling this poor boy who I knew would just be bored out of his head after about three minutes. And I started with the information and then slowly the questions started coming back again and I just carried on with it. Then halfway through the tour, we were up in the Egyptians and me and this kid had had the most amazing conversations. He knew so much. He was so engaged. The parent, the mum had kind of stepped back a bit. And the, they were also, uh, the, the boy was telling, explaining mummification to me, which he knew all about. And the parents were just looking at him with their mouths open. And, the, and then they said, we had no idea that you knew all of this stuff. And it was 
it was definitely a moment between them. I was like separate from it, where I saw that their 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 whole understanding of their child had completely changed. It was really lovely moment and experience, and also a reminder why it's such a nice, such a good technique to have with kids. Absolutely, piquing their curiosity so that they ask you the questions, uh, getting them involved in that way, but giving them a chance to share their knowledge and things yeah. that they're coming with to the museum and things. Absolutely wonderful. Um, you rang so many bells for me for um, comments from I've had from participants in the past, not just parents, but from other groups as well. And um, we don't want you to ask questions. We just want you to talk at us. Yeah. Do you have any strategies normally for dealing with that kind of situation? How, how does it normally play out if you meet people at that level? Well, with with some of them, they're pretty adamant about what they want. And I think it, I tend to start off giving them what they want if they've been really adamant about it and then slowly start with the questions. And then as people warm up, um, then they can see that it works. It's really through the demonstration of it, if they're not used to it, that they see, um, that they see why it's a good technique to have. Um, and also, so the other thing, because I don't really have that problem that often, and I think it's that thing of setting expectations at the beginning, so of immediately starting to ask questions about them and to get that conversation going right from the word go. I think you said on the course about how if you don't, if you don't start doing that, then they immediately go into receiving mode and it's very difficult to get them out of it. So I think that we're taught that as well in the Blue Badge course. People make up their minds about you in the first 30 seconds or something of meeting you and so if you start off with a smile and a question and they're answering you know that's a good rapport that you get started straight away and the questions kind of flow the discussional aspect flows quite quite much better and the questions are the discussion is the basis of any tour that we do we do activities and things like that and some of the tours like the gallery tours might be more activity based or sketching based or if that's what the parents have asked for um, and it's the same thing with that. If you start off immediately with something interactive or some little activity that they have to do, then they know that that's what what the tour is going to consist of, and it kind of, the flow goes quite well. If you spring it on them in the middle, then then it's much more difficult. Absolutely, yeah. Setting the tone and the expectations at the start as well. So. We're talking about quite long tours as well that you do, um, mm -hmm. sometimes three hours or maybe yeah. more. So how do you engage your children, your families for that length of time? What techniques do you use on your tours? So I think it's a lot of it is about pace. So, but, well, a lot of it is about the conversation. But And I love the fact it, they are long tours and I love it when you've just spent three hours in the Tower of London or something and kids go to you, oh, that went really quickly. It's just lovely. And it, a lot of it is based on, um, on that conversation. And from the very beginning, finding ways to engage them with what they're looking, what they're exploring for those three hours. That's got to happen really early on. They have to want to keep on exploring. Um, so trying to get them to use their imagination, knowing, making sure that they know that you want to hear their opinions, that you want to hear their thoughts, you want to hear what they've noticed, all of those things really important. Then I think a var variety is really important. So if you're in a big site like the Tower of London, that you have a bit outside and then a bit inside or a certain 
type of architecture and then a different kind of architecture. If you're in a museum or gallery, a variety of different types of painting, different genres, um, might be a story painting one time, then more of a historical narrative the next time, then a sketching stop and then something else. Um, I think having longer stops and shorter stops is good. So you might have in the beginning of a tour where they're more awake um i definitely prefer morning tours with kids and families because they're they're hopefully more switched on um you can do some of the big heavy information at the beginning then have a middle bit where it's all quite quick or you sit down and it's um so lots of quick stops or else you sit down and do something quite slow where they can kind of recharge a bit and then some longer stuff towards the end or speed it up towards the end that pace is really important um and yeah i think those kinds of things Anything yeah else? i mean playing with yes. playing with pace if i can get my words out is such a it's an ingenious way of uh creating more engagement on a tour because i think people get very used to the same rhythm very quickly so if they use the five minutes at every stop or 10 minutes every stop or they get used to that rhythm. So playing with that and speeding it up and slowing it down, having moments to pause a little bit longer, having moments to do see a few things is, is a genius idea, I think, for creating that sort of engagement, especially with younger, mm -hmm. younger visitors as well. Do you use any other techniques, thinking routines, questioning strategies, any other sort of tools you have up your sleeve? So not as organized as yours, <laughs> which I'm going to I'm going to put into practice much more. But one that I really like that that, um, that you told us about is the is it 10 by 2 or 2 by 10? Um, and I did. I tried that out in the in Tate Modern with the family that I was taking around. And they um, I just got them to sort of pull out one detail, each of them. That they could see in the painting and it worked so well and it was again that kind of example of changing what you do in front of a painting so I think the one before we just looked at it and talked about it and then that one having the little activity to do you know kept them totally focused on it and that was lovely because that included everyone in the group and included the parents in the group everyone got to notice something and then we kind of discussed what each of those things could mean um and I've used that a few times, actually. That's a really nice one to use. Um, yeah, your thinking routines, I, in terms of the structure, I want to include them more because I think there are some really useful ones. Um, but what you do, which I've always done, uh, that you talk about is that thing of looking, first of all, of really spending time looking and pulling things out of, I do it, I realise now, I. I, de I do it with art without thinking about it that that thing of looking and and just describing what you see seems like a waste of time when you first start doing it but then you realize that actually most people don't see many things in a painting there are things that other people pull out for me in paintings that I haven't noticed before uh, and it just gets you used to the thing and then you can start talking about it so that's I definitely do that and then I realized that I also do it with buildings and I hadn't realized that I'd done it. So the Tower of London, one of our first stops is to imagine that they were attacking the castle. So I, I get them to um, imagine that they're knights and I ask them what they'd be wearing and what would they be sitting on? What do they ride? Um, and then I give them knights names 
So I'd ask them what their name is. So you're Claire. And that's, then I ask them what their favourite animal is. So what's your favourite animal? Uh, I'm going to go with a cat. Nice. So you can be Lady Claire of the cat <laughs> on your horse in your armour, about to attack the castle, and then ask them how they'd attack it. Like, how is it defended? What can they see? And we spend quite a long time and they, they point out all of the details. And then we talk about how easy or difficult it would be to attack. And I hadn't realised that that is actually a form of slow looking with a building, which is nice. Absolutely. So, I love that. I'm already Lady Claire of the Cat standing in front of the Tower of London. But think how different that is to actually stand in front of the Tower of London and pointing out and then talking about all the various different elements of the, the architecture. That's really involving people directly in the looking mm-hmm. and getting them to be curious about what they're looking at. So again, it's the engagement right from the start. Mm-hmm. And getting them to use their imagination. Once yeah. the imagination, and what I love about it is that it's not just the kids. So I name the parents too. And so they're all sitting there on their horses and that and their their imagination, you know, they're imagining your knights in shining armor in a castle. And it hopefully it all comes to life for them, which is what you want. Absolutely. And I was going to ask you, that's a nice segue there. How do you involve the parents? Because obviously I've worked with lots of family groups before. Some parents like to be involved, like to be very hands-on, very in charge of the itinerary, some more hands-off. How do you get the parents as engaged as the children? Because you're talking about different generations here. So mm-hmm. it's it's quite quite a skill. Yeah. Well, it's... Um... It depends on the parents very much. I feel very conscious, um, having brought up my daughter for the past seven years, that some parents quite enjoy just stepping back <laughs> and not, you know, kind of letting their eyes wander, looking at other works of art, knowing that their kids are engaged and having a good time. And that's totally fine if they want to do that. Obviously, they have to be nearby because they're the responsible adults. But so some of them don't necessarily want to be wholly, fully engaged, but a lot of them do. Um, and I think that thing of asking questions is really important. The same with if you've got a mixed group of ages in a group, like knowing their names and directing questions at specific people every so often and being interested in their answers um, helps keep those different age groups engaged and involved. And for parents who are interested and engaged, Obviously, you've got got to be careful. Some parents like to answer all the questions. Um, And so, again, names are really important there for making sure that the kids get a chance to answer too. But directing questions at parents, I think, is is great. And often you have a really nice dynamic of everyone kind of sharing information or parents like adding bits on that they think is interesting or linking things up to stuff they know that their kids know about that I wouldn't know that they know about. So I like kind of trying to foster that group discussion. I also, with that technique of asking questions, it works with all ages and I became aware of that. I can't remember what year I did it in. It was about eight years ago, I think, or something. Um, I did a project for, it was a gallery education project for people with dementia uh, organized by university we did it at the Dulwich Picture Gallery so I was the guide and we decided that uh, it should be very interactive so asking lots of questions and it worked really well with people with dementia because of their many of them had memory issues but with the painting all the information if the questions are based on what they could see in the painting all the questions all the answers were right in front of them so it worked very well and we got a lot of discussion going which was lovely. But as I was asking all of these questions to my group, 
sort of everyday visitors to the gallery who were just looking around doing their own thing started listening in and then started answering the question. So these were all adults. So I realized that it works really well with kids, but adults want to answer questions too. And that whole thing of looking at children and being interested in their opinions and their, you know, linking stuff up to their interests, making history relevant, um, engaging their imagination, all of that works equally as well with adults. So as a technique, in fact, my practice of guiding children has changed the way that I now guide adults. So I don't lecture them anymore. Um, I ask lots of questions. I want their opinions. I want what's relevant to them, what they can link up to. So yeah, it, um, I think it works for all ages as a technique. Absolutely. I think adults want to be as engaged as children are. Of and course. I don't see why we can't use some of the similar techniques. We can scaffold our questions in different ways. We can make them more complex if we need to. But you can see when people are joining in your tour, and I've seen this on trainings I've done in, in museums recently, and they can, uh, members of the public joining in with the group who are in front of an artwork, having a discussion about it, because it looks fun and engaging and inviting. Yeah. It looks like absolutely. something people want to be a part of. So, um, yeah, it's it's absolutely wonderful. You engage parents just as much as the children. Well, I wonder, and, oh, sorry, can I just, I just thought as well, what, what I think parents also find really interesting is kids ask the best questions. Like they're not sort of they're not weighed down by years of society training them to you know not ask stupid questions or um worried insecure about their knowledge or anything they they ask like really great questions which adults don't ask you which can be really challenging and I was thinking about that. I did a training session for guides guiding kids yesterday at the British Museum um and we were talking about what kinds of things can you link up to that are you know what do kids know about that you can link a historic object to that they will want to talk about and I was thinking about my daughter and the stuff that she is dealing with at, on her own at school is remarkable like friendship jealousy you know what's being honest what's being rude what's the line between those two things just makes you so aware of how how the complex things that they have to deal with and that they're thinking about on a daily basis. And they pull that all into their sort of observations about artworks. The same with teenagers, like all of these stresses and friendship and insecurities and things like that. So you often get these very different conversations when you've got kids in a group, different questions, different things that you respond to, which I think the parents also find interesting. It's yeah, it brings up different things than from adults to Definitely. So the children can bring in the adults and entice them into the conversation with their interesting observations as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My final question I was going to ask you was whether you carry a giant kit bag full of amazing treasures, because I know I used to, well, I used to have a box in my office, which was full of exciting things that I would take on family tours and I'd pull out the relevant things for each family group that I was with. So do you have such a kit bag and how do you use it? So I don't have a massive one because we are often walking for many hours and or <laughs> like running between jobs and things like that. And also um, if you forget it, 
I don't want to have to rely on it. So, you know, it, my, I don't want my tour to be not be able to happen because I don't have my bag of stuff with me. So the basis is always the conversation. I know I can turn up for a tour and give a good engaging tour just with the conversation. But I do have a bag of tricks which I take out with me. Um, largely, it's my general London one. So I have, what do I have in it? I have my... I have a postcard of Henry VIII and his six wives because he comes up all the time. I have a picture postcard with the heads of all the kings and queens of England since William the Conqueror, although there's no King Charles III on it, so I have to add him in. Um, I have a post. I have a set of cards of the different kings and queens. I have maps of old London, and I think that's quite cool to see how recently. Like, I've got one from the 1500s where. London's absolutely minuscule and just ha how it's changed. The fact that their hotel was in a field 500 years ago uh, is quite cool for them to see. Um, I have a poem which I give them of all the kings and queens of England. It starts off Willy, Willy, Harry, Steve, Harry, Dick, John, Harry, three. They quite like that. And then for sites, I have various things that I will pull out in sites. So for the Tower of London, I have a cor my coronation kit. So I like to dress, if they want to, um, dress kids up, like pretend I'm, I'm crowning them. So I have a cookie cutter for a, a crown and I have a pen for a scepter and a ball for an orb. And then my friend Jess Osborne, she's another guide, gave me the idea to get those big flags of the Union Jack, Union flag and the Royal Standard. So they have that. I can explain the flags, but um, they have that as a cape and then they can process and see how difficult it might have been, how stressful to walk down Westminster Abbey with a big crown on and a scepter and an orb and a cape while the whole world's watching you. So that works. And at the British Museum, I've got papyrus so they can touch it. Um, and always paper and pencils so they can sketch, which is something I'm doing more as well. And the sketching's really nice because it gives them a little memento. It gives them downtime if you need it, but also a memento of the tour if they need it too. Absolutely. You can go a long way with a notebook and or a piece yeah. of paper and a pencil. Um, even when I was taking my my kids when they were smaller to museums and zoos and, and historic houses and all sorts of places, we always took a notebook and a pencil because they could just write down things that they saw that they liked or draw pictures or it, it was always something to keep their hands occupied and yeah. things to do. So you can use a notebook in, in many ways. Yeah. I love hearing about all your treasures that you take with you. And I do love the idea of the flag and the orb and the scepter as well. Lovely images yeah. from that. So <laughs> we need to wrap up, but how can listeners find out more about you? How can they reach out to you? So I have a website, which is www.toursformykids.com and I'm on Insta I'm on social media all of them but Instagram I use the most so that's um at Tours for my kids so brilliant I there. will yeah I will link to all of those in the show thank notes you. thank you so much for coming on today we could have thank talked for you. hours about family tours <laughs> so much fun so many memories uh thanks again and uh yeah thank you speak to you soon bye bye bye-bye so a huge thank you to Sarah for being on the podcast today. I hope you enjoyed our chat. You can go to the show notes to find out more about Sarah's work and tours for my kids. And before you go, if you want to get more slow looking into your life and make it a regular practice, do join us in the Slow Looking Club. We have regular themes and regular get togethers. I've put a link in the show notes so you can come and join us. 
that's it for this week. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Art Engager podcast with me, Claire Bowne. You can find more art engagement resources by visiting my website, thinkingmuseum.com. And you can also find me on Instagram at Thinking Museum, where I regularly share tips and tools on how to bring art to life and engage your audience. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share with others and subscribe to the show on your podcast player of choice. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time.